I feel like you're interested in in maybe making it seem like I live in a cult. I am just fascinated. Like, I had no idea about this ward stuff. I didn't think this was a thing where we grew up. I thought you, like, chose your church and went to it. I just didn't know. I didn't know any of this. I guess, why wouldn't you think that, though? Because that's what you were raised with, right? Like, yeah. Yeah. Hello and welcome to Mother Mother, a podcast from the mom friends you need right now, because this shit is hard. I'm your host, Emily Ferris, a writer and married mom of two in Kansas City, Missouri. While Mother Mother is technically a parenting podcast, this isn't a podcast about kids. It's a podcast all about the experience of being a mother. And this week, we're getting a peek behind the curtain of what it's like to be a Mormon mother in Utah, no less, as I talk with one of my oldest and dearest friends. And yes, I have a Mormon friend. More than one, actually, and you'll learn why in this episode. Now, this week's show is longer than usual. I'm loading up a little because I've decided I'm taking next week off to hopefully catch up on sleep and spend some time with my family over the holidays. I should warn you, there's a lot of heavy stuff in here, but also some really enlightening and hopefully hopeful stuff, too. If you want to continue the conversation after this episode, join us in the Facebook group where the password is tired. It's the Mother Mother Podcast Facebook group. You can also find more information on the show and my guests at mothermotherpodcast.com. Mother, mother, can you hear me? My guest today is Tanae Atagi Henry, one of my oldest friends in the world. Tanae, we have known each other since the sixth grade? Yes, is that right? sixth grade. How many years is that? Because I don't math. Okay. Um, we would have been like 11. Okay. So we're so, 40 now. I'm so, 39 for a few more months. Thank you very much. Same, but essentially. So basically <laughs> like 30 years we've known each other. Yeah. Yeah. So we met at our high school in Independence, Missouri, which is the second, as far as I know or have known, the second largest Mormon population in the country. And you are Mormon. I am not Mormon, as my listeners will not be shocked to learn <laughs> that I am not that I am not Mormon. Um, and yeah, we had a lot of Mormon kids in our high school. And uh, yeah, it was it was like an interesting mix. It was like a I feel like it was like 50%. Would you say? No. No? Definitely not. It felt like it. It was a lot. We had a lot of Christians, right? So like Baptists, Southern Baptists. Oh, like 99% Christian. Yeah. And if we get into the history of it, there's like two different factions of the Mormon church. And Independence, Missouri is actually the headquarters to the Reorganized Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, which changed their name to RLDS, Community of Christ in the 90s. Okay. So so if you're including both of those, like, I don't know what stats you're reading, but I'm not reading any stats. It's from my <laughs> fuzzy memory from the 90s today. Yeah. So some like uh, some people belonged to that church. Okay. And I belonged to the one that moved out to Utah eventually. Okay. Go West, young man. Go West, young man. Go West today. And you did go West. You are in Provo, Utah. Yes. I came out to Provo to go to college at Brigham Young University. The, he's the man who went West, the young man who Correct. went West. Yes. Mm -hmm. And then you followed and you went west. And you met your husband, Jed, in Provo, correct? Yes. We are both Midwestern Mormons who moved to Utah to go to school. And may, we are living the Mormon dream 
uh, we met, got married pretty young, I think. For I, I mean, I was 25. He was 24. But that's not like super young for Mormon marriages. No, 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 no. <laughs> I have no. a lot of friends who got married like first, first year of college. Here's something funny. At Brigham Young University, it is not uncommon to see strollers, people with babies on campus. What? Because a lot of us are married. Um, and when my sister who went to Mizzou came out, she was like, Tanae, there are strollers on campus. What is happening? <laughs> oh, my God. Well, I mean, I guess at least like the church, because Brigham Young University is part of the church or run by the church or something. Yeah. Like at least they support women when they become moms, like still pursuing a college education. Do they? Do they? We, Tanae and I can see each other and you're making a face. So maybe they don't. <laughs> They still take your um, college tuition money. I don't know. Yeah. Um, okay. It is said that women are supported in in their endeavors. Um, I would say that that's um, more of a saying than a, like, they don't put their money where their mouth is, in my opinion. Well, I want to get into that later. But before we get into all of that, I want to know, like, what is life like in Provo? I feel like there's a there's a lot of different mom worlds. And you know, every mom experiences the world differently and we all have different struggles and challenges, but like there is like a, a mom world that is not Mormon and a mom world that is Mormon. And I feel like there's like this curtain between them. And there's like, th there's things we hear about like Mormon moms and we read about it in like exposés in lifestyle magazines, but there's not like, I don't really know what it's like, even though we're friends and we've stayed in touch like off and on for 30 years. I don't like what like obviously like our lives aren't that different like you get up with your kids you have a life like you take care of your kids you're with your husband you have a job you do all these things but like what like what is life like in Provo Yeah I think I have um I've I've only been a mom here right so yeah. it's hard for me to to feel like it's weird because it's it's what I know we go to church on Sundays just Sundays and a lot of if you're a member of the church, right, your social, like, there's a geographical border that represents your congregation, and it delineates your congregation. So you go to church with those people. It's like a school district? Sort of like a school district, right. So, so but if you don't like your church, you can't just be like, ah, I'm going to go to the church in the next town over? That is discouraged. Really? Yes. So um, my, uh, it's called a ward, my congregation, it's called a ward is um, nine square blocks because it's so um, so densely populated with Mormon people. And so a lot of times if someone moves even like 15 minutes away, we've kind of noticed that if you move like 30 minutes away, we're not really friends anymore. We probably love you still. Like I love you still, but like it's so easy for me to make new friends and be convenient friends with people here, right? Like I can send my kids down the street to five friends' houses right now because we all know each other. We go to church together. Our kids don't go to the same schools because of different things, but we are in each other's lives. So the pros and cons of this, right? I was a teacher here. I taught English at a local Provo high school. So it was weird to me because I would go to school and teach and then go to church with some of the same kids, which was fine, but some of the same parents. And that's where it got like, we're, we're peeing in the same pool too many times. Like I can't, Yeah, I can't do it. 
Like there's no separation. It's almost like they're like forced bubbles. Like they want to like I say that. Sorry, I'm like I'm gonna probably say things about like speaking about the Mormon Church in a way that's not um, as respectful or flattering as I probably should. But like it's like they're forcing you into these social bubbles to like keep everyone like thinking and living the same way. Well, I mean, it's a house of order, right? The scriptures talk about how the church of a house is a house of order, and and that's pretty literal. In, in this case, it's a very organized uh, organization. They have all of, like, there's a church app. It has, like, all of my information on it. And people can, you know, look, contact me if they're, in my, if they're in my congregation. They can look on that app, find my information, contact me, and things like that. Like, it's a very organized system. And this is true not just here, but across the whole world. So I served my mission in Long Beach, California. And, like... I had a record of every member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, um, their phone number, their address, how many kids they had, and things like that. So, I mean, I see your face, Emily. <laughs> I'm just, it just, it, it just seems like that, like it, the church is controlling your life. Hey, if you let anything control your life, it can, right? Yeah. So. If I listen to like a yoga instructor and I do everything they say, or I listen to Tony Robbins and do everything he says, like I let him control my life. Yeah. So people do stuff like this regularly. Now, I don't feel like the church controls my life. I feel like I've made a lot of choices. Yeah. And that's like the most cultish thing to say. <laughs> well, no, but I know you and I've like... I know you. I, and I tell people, like, one of my favorite people in the world is Mormon. Like, and she's cool and she gets it and she doesn't support Trump and she totally gets it and she's really cool. I do not support Trump. I know. <laughs> I said she does not support Trump. I just wanted to reiterate. I just, it has to be known. It does. And I just want to tell you, I live in the district, the one of the few districts in Utah who voted blue in the last election. That's awesome. There's only a few. <laughs> oh, I'm sure. So when you're talking about your ward, like, are there people who live in your ward who aren't Mormon? Or is that just like not a thing? Yeah. So they live in the ward boundaries, right? But they don't affiliate with the church. Okay. A, how the hell did they end up there? No, they just live here. I don't know. But like. Okay. You should know that Provo, like Utah is a great place to live. Access to the outdoors is incredible. We have some of the best snow for skiing literally in the world. And I can get to Sundance, the ski resort and or the film festival in 30 <laughs> minutes. The film festival's 45 minutes from my house. So okay. that's why I didn't say that, but um, <laughs> that's all I know. But Provo's a, an incredible place to live. Um there are for pe people who are members of the church um, I do think it's a little easier. I think it, in any situation, it's easier to be part of the majority than not, right? Like, yes. I had some friends who lived in New York and they happened to live uh, in a Jewish neighborhood and they really struggled. They didn't speak the language, they didn't understand the culture. Like, that's really hard. I think that if you are not a member of the Church of Jesus Christ and you came here, you would have culture shock. I had culture shock when I came here. I had never seen so many blonde people. Oh my God. 
I had not. Like that is sounds so silly. And you're from Missouri. I'm from Missouri. It is a different it is a different world. I had culture shock for sure when I moved here as a teenager. Um I'm a little bit more used to it now, but I have my people, we write a little bit more liberal and uh support each other in those ways, right? Yeah. So what was your lockdown like? I guess you kind of were already in a bit of a bubble because your ward is kind of a bubble. Is that fair to say? I don't exclusively live in my ward. It sounds like you live in your bubble. But I like leave. (laughs) Okay. I have a whole life. You have to like check out on the app. (laughs) I have to check. (laughs) Are they tracking you? No. I mean, if I move, yes. You think (laughs) you don't think they're tracking you. Um, it's an app. Everybody's tracking us. Our phones are tra- listening. I'm being, I'm being tracked. <laughs> yes, yes. My computer is going to blow up here in Kansas City in like 30 minutes. So I never air this. Emily, if you joined the church and decided you wanted to leave the church, they would still try to keep tra- tabs on you. You think they'd let me into your church? You're welcome. You're welcome <laughs> here. <laughs> you know, actually, like that is one thing I will say. You, like every Mormon I have ever met and i have met a lot of mormons compared to most people i know because i'm from independence has been like the most kind welcoming generous friendly person and like that is something that i think most people can agree about most mormons we know right like mormons are friendly people i want to say fucking friendly and it's because it's you i feel like i can say that yeah they should be that's sort of like we're expected to be happy like that's you're expected to be happy see i want to talk about your lockdown but i've got to talk about this you're why are you expected to be happy listen one of the things that the church teaches one of the things that is a point of doctrine between our church and other christian religions is called the plan of salvation so we believe that there's like a whole purpose to being here right so we lived with heavenly father and heavenly and our heavenly parents um so our heavenly father and our heavenly mother before we came to this earth oh there's Uh, a heavenly mother too Yes. I like that. That's like a little feminist. I like that. It, yes. She's okay. rarely talked about, but it's becoming more mm-hmm. and more of okay. a point okay. that people bring up. Okay. I, I bring it up. <laughs> I like it. Um, but we lived with our heavenly parents, and then um, we were given the option to come to Earth. Those of us who are here chose to come to Earth, recognizing that we would not have access, direct access to our heavenly parents anymore, but that we would have experiences where we would choose and give, be given agency to learn and decide like if we want to follow our heavenly parents or if we don't want to do that. So you are allowed to leave the church? Absolutely. Okay. Yes. It's not like Scientology. I don't think so. I haven't looked into Scientology, so I'm going to take your word for it. Okay. Scientology, they don't let you leave. Yeah. They're definitely tracking you in Scientology. Okay. <laughs> and then they go after your family. There's a whole Leah Remini series on some Netflix or something about it. It's very good. Yeah. Anyway, sorry. Okay. Carry on. But we do believe that like the purpose of coming to earth is to um to learn how to like commune with 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 God and recognize that we we can make choices that would that would get us back to live with him again. So we believe that we're here on earth, that the point is to be happy and that when we die, our body separates temporarily from our spirits our body and spirit separate and then because jesus christ came he died and was resurrected he atoned for our sins for our physical death and our our spiritual death so we can be 
reunited with our, our body, and everyone has that option. Everyone will be reunited with their body at the resurrection. And then in independence, right? No, that's is that's, that a rumor? No, no, no. That's something different, but that's like, okay. Okay. That's earlier in the story. So. Okay. Okay. Sorry. Carry on. But and then judgment day and then three degrees of glory. So like there's these three kingdoms of heaven and not really a hell. There's like outer darkness for terrible, terrible, terrible people. Like me. But most people are not <laughs> qualified there. I kid. I kid. I'm not a terrible person. I'm just a heathen. <laughs> you're my kind of heathen. I know. And I love it. Okay. But I guess what I'm having trouble with here is like, so you're you're meant to be happy. You're like supposed to be happy, but like lockdown, like there's all this suffering, COVID, the world is a shit show. I, I keep saying, I've been saying for years, I feel like we are living in the opening montage to like a post-apocalyptic thriller. Shit is bad. There is so much suffering. Things are horrible. Are Mormons still supposed to just like be happy? I'm... <clears throat> I think I think the idea is that they recognize that there's hope, right? That we recognize that there's hope. But also I think if you're living the doctrine of the Mormon church, you're like engaged in helping these things improve. Like that you're doing things to make the world a better place. Right. But does that exist like outside of missionary work? Does that like what you're doing? Like you're doing the Provo Girls Summit, which I feel like in some ways. It, well, here, explain the Provo Girls Summit, because I feel like that is something that we're going to get to your lockdown eventually. We'll talk about it. But um, so the Provo Girls Summit is something that you do. Is that something? It has nothing to do with my membership in the church. I didn't think so. I almost felt like it would be something that the church would look down upon. Makes you wonder. I don't know how the church feels about it. <laughs> To be honest, I don't. I didn't ask. I'm not. So going tell. To. So for for our listeners, like, c- explain what the Provo Girls Summit is. So the Provo Girls Summit is a local event that I started in 2017, um, where I get girls ages eight to twelve, and I put them in the same room with women professionals um, from various fields. So tech, business, art, um, anyone that we can get to come. We've had like construction workers, architects. All sorts of things, electricians, um, business owners. We don't invite teachers. We don't invite um, fitness instructors or MLM people. Oh, thank you on the MLM. Is that because those, like, the teachers and fitness instructors are more like traditional? And we don't invite nurses. Paths. Just okay. because they, I feel like girls already have access to those people. Yeah. Really easily, so they don't yeah. need our help there. But we um, put them in the same room and let them have conversations um, and just start to talk about, I'm filling these girls' heads with ideas between the ages of 8 and 12. At the age of 12, they'll be picking their own classes. So I want them to start thinking about, like, I know an engineer who's a woman. That woman really liked math or she was a computer scientist. I, I could do that. So I want them to start doing that before, like, statistically, they say that girls start sort of opting out of math classes and um, science classes around the age of like nine. Mm -hmm. So things start to get harder and they start to, and girls typically sort of go, go different directions. Obviously it's separate from the church. Your church hasn't been like, this is, you shouldn't be doing this. Like there's, you haven't gotten pushback on that. My church doesn't say I shouldn't do this, huh? Okay. I really okay. I know I'm like all over the place here. I want to. I do want to talk about your lockdown because you have four children. 
What are their ages now? I have four children. Ages, uh, she turns 13 next month. Oh, my God. So 13, 10, 7, 3. And when we all went into lockdown, we all as in the country, the world, whatever, were you, did you go into a strict lockdown with your family as well? Yes. Okay. So did you form bubbles with people in your ward? Actually, our bubble was outside of our ward. Okay. But it was like other, another church, like other church friends from another church, I guess. These people aren't people that I know from church necessarily. Huh? Like my husband's lifelong friends live here. We were with them and then uh, some friends from college. So I guess church is mm-hmm. like a common thread for my whole life. But mm-hmm. yes. Okay. So tell me what was your lockdown like? Not even just as a Mormon mom, but just like as a mom. I ask every guest this. Like, what was your lockdown like in your house with your husband and your four kids? I mean, also in Provo, Utah, but like, what was your lockdown like? So you had you had a bubble. You had friends that you who are not from your church. So you were like socializing with people outside your ward in your church yeah. um what was it like so the first two weeks were really really great right like everything slowed down my husband works from home i work from home so like and our we have some older kids who can help out with some things we had a lot of fun with the idea that they were going to go back to school in two weeks yeah they didn't go back to school so at that point the teachers start emailing me with all of the passwords to the six different things that each of my kids needed to do. And there were like three months left of school. So I just said, look, I emailed him back and said, we're not doing any of this. Count us out. We will be reading and learning on our own terms in our own house. Thank you so much. Good for you. I went to log on. How was I? I couldn't keep track of all these passwords. Oh my God. I just, my son started kindergarten this year. So I didn't, I was lucky I didn't have to deal with that. And now, even though he's like physically in school, the number of emails and like all the login, like apparently he has a Gmail account through school and I like can't attend a virtual assembly until I log into his Gmail account. And then there's like, there's just like so many things. And I'm a, I'm a highly technical person and I'm just like, it's too he much. Can't type. No, no, it's all, it's all for, I have to do it. And it's like seven emails a day. And oh my God, it's so much. So I can't, I am so glad that I didn't have to deal with that during lockdown. And I can't imagine having to deal with that with multiple children. Yeah. So like the first six months of lockdown, I had told the schools we're out and then we had summer and we just had a great time. So when school started up in the fall, I was like, okay, we're not going to send them back. I live in a very um, anti-masking state. Okay. We decided not to send our kids back and it was homeschool option, right? So, again, with the passwords and the constant, like, emails. So I had a um, fifth grader, I'm sorry, a sixth grader, a second grader, and a kindergartner. And I had already been, like, the previous year, I'd been butting heads with my oldest about school and homework and things like that. And I told my husband, if I have to homeschool my oldest daughter, our relationship will be irreparable. Like, I don't think we can come back from this. So we hired a teacher. She's the sister of the of the girl who was babysitting my my son while I was working anyway. So family members, right? And they were on strict lockdown too because their grandma was in their home. And so they were super strict. We were super strict. And 
they came in and um, one of them taught my two boys who are young and just played with them and did whatever. And then the other one taught my two girls. So that's how our 2020 or in 2019, 2020 school year it's went. great that you had that. It was the best decision yeah. I could have made. I, I recognized that it was like a privileged lifestyle decision, right? To have two helpers in our home who loved our kids, who allowed us to keep our jobs and stay yeah. mentally healthy. So our lockdown was very different than other people's, but I really appreciated it. And I really appreciated those, that option. I'm going to bring it back to Mormonism. I'm sorry, because it's all so fascinating to me. So you talked about like it allowed you to stay mentally healthy. So within Mormonism, if you're a mom and you're like, oh, my God, everything like I'm stressed out, I'm burned out, everything's horrible. Like there's so I'm getting all this pressure. Are you welcome to like seek out mental health care? Yes. Yeah. I think just like most other places, it was taboo for a long time. One of the apostles gave a talk about it four years ago or something, uh, bringing it to the limelight. Um, I would say that people had been taking, um, getting mental health help for years, but not as, you know, hopefully more people are getting the mental health help that they need. I Yeah. I, I just like wonder how it, like a, a religion reconciles, like we're here to be happy with like people are get depressed, like depression exists, yes. postpartum depression exists. Yes. I think that is a huge stressor, actually, Emily. And you're meant to not only you're meant to be happy, but you're also striving for perfection. Like we're supposed, to, we are supposed to be trying to be perfect as God is perfect, right? Is God a blonde woman? Yes. Well, okay. only blondes are perfect. So <laughs> yes, yes. As a blonde, I know this. Blondes are perfect and they have more fun. So, yes. like, And for, for the people who are listening, like you, you are very much not a blonde person. I'm, <laughs> I'm really not. I have also toned <laughs> skin <laughs> and dark curly hair, like the mom, yeah. like the mom entangled, <laughs> the evil mom entangled. I love it. It looks great. It looks great. Thanks. Now, I do want to talk about the perfection because... Emily, it's a huge deal and moms feel it. I mean, I'm not Mormon and I am like, I'm like worlds away from the perfectionism of what a Mormon is expected to be. And I find that in like even the levels of like of how I am supposed to be, I find it so stressful and exhausting. So I can't imagine having even more pressure to be even more perfect and then like having to pretend that's okay. Here's the thing for me, my mom didn't buy into all of this all the time. I mean, she is a faithful member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Don't get me wrong. But she did not push perfection on us the way some moms push perfection on their daughters that I have seen. It's the hair. It's the outfits. It's the eyebrows. It's the like minutia of perfection. And my mom did not push that on me. My dad did not push that on me. So I don't feel as, as stressed as I know other moms feel. I know I don't fit the mold, whatever that is. I'm not blonde. I, I, I'm not a trophy wife. Um, You're not a trophy wife, but you are a prize. I'm, I'm pretty freaking awesome. Like I, You're amazing. I do not lack self-confidence no. for better or worse. No, it's, I love it. I love it. That's what I love about you. Um, but 
I also don't buy into all of the things that we're told we're supposed to be. And I think that that comes on a church level, a societal level, a woman looking at other women level, like all of it, right? I don't buy it all. So that's just a plus for me. We do have to take a break soon because we are, I, I'm already, gonna, I'm sadly going to have to edit out more of this than I want to. I feel like we have like three more hours of this conversation. To have. <laughs> um, but we do need to take a break. Now, before we go to break, I ask this of every guest, Tanae, what are you wearing? Oh, I am wearing a fleece button down shirt that is um, prioritizing comfort. I am wearing some bright orange Target <laughs> Target sweatpants and socks I got from Costco that are very thick and warm because it is winter in Utah. It's winter in Missouri, but we had a hurricane yesterday, so 70 degree weather. <laughs> okay, so I have to ask this because I feel like I owe it to my listeners. Are you wearing the Mormon undergarments as well? I am not right now. Are you supposed to be? Yes. So technically, you're supposed to wear them unless you're like swimming. You're not supposed to wear them during sex. Some people get confused. Newlyweds. Okay. That's a weird, that's a funny, weird thing. And maybe it's just a... Because there's no sex education. There is. Obviously, we live in America. (laughs) (laughs) But even worse, yes. (laughs) Um, No, I'm not wearing them right now. Did you wear them when we were in high school? I feel like like we never... No. So there's a certain, like, um, I started wearing them when I was like 21, 22. It's a ceremony. Like, there's a rite of passage and you start wearing them then. Oh, is it like a thing to remind you to not have sex when you become a sexual being? No. Or of age to be a sexual being? No. It has less to do with sex and more, it's... um, does it? Do you think there like isn't is that probably a component of it? Um well, I think okay, they are like lower than lower than mid thigh, right? Mm-hmm. So they do encourage modesty, I would say. Yeah, they are but like the not real, sexy. They are not. No. It's like a modest swimsuit. Like an old-timey swimsuit. Like an old-timey like longer than gidgets, for sure. <laughs> but isn't the point to like remind you to be pure it's to remind you of covenants that you have made right and one of them is a chastity covenant yes which is why they're about it's about sex everything's about sex to me so one of like seven covenants you made is is the chest and one of them is the chastity covenant right so okay thank you so much for sharing that i know i've never asked you about that before um i never actually thought to ask you about it but i had to ask you what you were wearing And that is part of what you're wearing or not. Okay, we're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back. All right, we're back with my friend Tanae Atagi Henry, one of my oldest friends. We've known each other for almost 30 years. um, And we've been kind of all over the place talking about mom life and being a mom in the Mormon church because there's so much, even though I've known you for 30 years, Tanae, that I just like didn't know and maybe felt like I shouldn't or couldn't ask you. And I probably shouldn't be asking you some of it now, but I am because we're on my podcast and <laughs> I'm fucking doing it. So we're doing it. And uh, I, I like we've known each other long enough. I think I, I hope that this is nothing's too um, uncomfortable. And if it is, just tell me and I will stop. <laughs> we touched a little bit on 
perfectionism and about how how there's this idea of like like being making yourself in the perfect image of god and i was like oh is, is god a blonde woman well we i've read magazine articles there was an article a few years ago about mormon influencers and just about how there's so much pressure for mormon wives and mothers to look a certain way and dress a certain way and to be blonde and to be fit and to appear like everything is perfect. And that is why perhaps it is so easy for Mormon moms to become influencers on the internet because they already are like living this perfect styled, like very made up image of motherhood, of of marriage. Like how much of that have you seen or experienced of just like being told like you have to look and act a certain way. Yeah, I would say that um, being told that you have to look a certain way would, in my opinion, mostly come from the home more than the church. But it, it gets to the home somehow. So like, at least indirectly, it's implied. Like you talked about how we're supposed to be making ourselves in this perfect image of a perfect God or something. So like, right. Okay. So when I think about that, I think that I'm supposed to like build my character to be like that of God, right? So I like am charitable, I am accepting, I am loving, I am uh, forgiving and um, trying to make amends when I make mistakes. That's what I take from the idea of becoming perfect. And I can uh, confirm you are all of those things. <laughs> that's very nice of you. <laughs> um, and then I, I, as far as like looks and things like that go, I'm just none of those things. I am not blonde. I am not fit. I am not like, I don't have a clean house all the time. I will never be an influencer. Um, but maybe I should be. Maybe they need to know that yes. we don't all have it together. We don't even all pretend to have it together. Well, the ones we see on the internet do. So like, where is this message getting crossed? Like, why are there so many blonde, tan, Mormon moms with like really long blonde hair and perfect makeup and perfect houses. Like where, where is this pressure coming from? I wish I knew. Cause I would cut it. I would like tell them to stop. <laughs> like it's, re it's unrealistic. It doesn't make sense to me. I follow one Mormon influencer. We were college roommates. Like <laughs> I know who you're talking about. I follow her too. And she seems like pretty real. She's like so down to earth. She seems very down to earth. And she's wonderful. So like, and I think she takes things in stride, right? Like she recognizes her, her weaknesses and, and it's just kind of goes towards her strengths. And that's that. So um, I don't know. But she is also blonde. She does happen <laughs> to be blonde. She's, I don't understand it. I don't know why people... Either truly is it the angelic like blonde angelic? You know, it could be like the lighting. It could be yeah. like the rim light looks Aww. real good on some <laughs> on some blonde hair. Um, so you've never felt that pressure to present basically like an Instagram mom. Obviously, the Mormon mom came before the Instagram Mormon mom, but right, right. But I mean, I could argue that like other Instagram people are doing the same thing, right? Whatever their view of... Oh, it's true. Though I will say, like, I was shocked when I started realizing that so many people, especially moms that I followed on yeah. Instagram, like... And I have to tell you, unfortunately, I can't answer those questions because I don't... Aside from the one friend, I don't have friends who live like that. My friends 
are like, yeah, just come in my house. And this is what it looks like. Like my house looks like it's lived in. My friends' houses, for the most part, look like they're lived in. I don't attract the type of mom who has the perfect house, perfect hair, perfect everything. Like, I just don't, like, we don't find each other in this world. (laughs) And they're not in your ward. Not current. Like, I don't have any influencers in my ward currently. Or even just like, but like, you've got to have some blonde moms. I have a blonde mom. She's also, I mean, she's a, she's a very good friend of mine. And, but she's like, I just went over there yesterday and she said, my house is lived in. And I said, absolutely. Cause those are the friends I have. <laughs> so anything I would say would be speculation based on things like, I don't, cause I don't know that life. So you said you think a lot of that pressure will come from the husband as well. I said the parent. Like, I think, it. well, dude, I don't know. It could come from husbands. It could come from, like, I think moms raise their kids to be perfectionists, right? Like, criticize them as a mom of a daughter. What does the church tell you about how to be a mother and, like, how to divide labor, both, like, emotional and tactical in in a Mormon partnership as parents? Um, I don't think the church does a great job. I think that the church... Culturally, um, moms do a lot of things at home. Like it's, uh, I was raised in a home with a stay-at-home mom. My dad worked worked hard outside the home, and um, a lot of times did not help around the house a ton. Um, that's not something I have in my current marriage. We share responsibilities. Uh, uh, like chores and things around the house but um but I still do like the emotional labor right so um I had a conversation with my husband a few years ago he works long hours he's self-employed and he works a lot and he loves it and I really appreciate all of the money that he brings home like it's so so nice um But I did have to have the conversation where I said, you know, I resent the fact that you get to have a, you get to have a career and a family and I get to have a family. Um, I love my kids very much, but also like I'm a whole person yeah, and I cannot, I cannot just give myself to them. And I, maybe there are other moms who can, but I, I need more. And even though I'm a stay-at-home mom now, I have my nonprofit that I run. I have um, a, a magazine that I write for and other projects that I do regularly. Do you feel like the church in general allows women to be a whole person outside of being a mom and wife? I think that it has a long way to go. Um, it's not that it doesn't allow it, but it doesn't encourage it doesn't encourage women to do things. Um, it doesn't encourage women not to do things necessarily, but it doesn't give good images of women doing things. There's a quote um, that's famous. Let me find it. It's a, okay. it's a heavy quote. <laughs> I don't know what year this is, but maybe the 70s. The president of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints was David O. McKay, and one of his famous quotes is, no worldly success can compensate for failure in the home. 
Oh, let me read it again. No worldly success can compensate for failure in the home. Wow. Okay. So women are encouraged to be nurturers and the home is sort of their domain per church culture. So who is that quote aimed at? Moms. Us. Yes. So my parents got divorced, um, separated when I was a junior in high school. So as a 16 year old, something like that, I had heard this quote before and recognized like no, nothing can compensate for this, you know? And this is like a huge thing to think about. Um, and it's heavy. Your poor mom. Yeah. Like the yeah. fact that, that you had heard that, like that you had been fed this line of i'm gonna say it's bullshit um i believe it's bullshit like that you know like and then your mother who is a lovely woman who i love so much then like had her daughter like judging her right yeah well (laughs) and when my parents divorce is very clearly my on my dad right like and i know it takes two but like my dad's made some poor choices so but i think if you read that and you're a woman you're also thinking like well what but what should i have done to make to have made things better in my home so that my husband wouldn't have made these choices right that is so fucked up yeah that like a man can make some really bad choices and still the fault lies with the woman because she created an environment in which the man was forced to make bad choices right so i don't know and i don't think this is unique i don't think this is unique to um to my church, um, no, right? No. I think that this is a very common idea in all of Christianity, especially um, what's it called? Qu- uh, quiver? What is it? Uh, it's like an evangelical quiver, quiver or something. There's a there's like a sect of um, evangelical Christianity that's like um, I'm gonna I gotta look the quiver quiver or something. I gotta look I it don't up. No, I gotta look it up. Quiver. Quiver. People are listening and they're like, quiver. They're like, keep saying quiver. I know. It's going to come to me. <laughs> quiver religion. Uh, now I got to find it. Quiverful. Quiverful is a theological position held by some conservative Christian couples who belong to Christian denominations that see large families as blessings from God. It thus encourages procreation, abstaining from all forms of birth control, including natural family planning. And sterilization. So within this quiverful movement of evangelical Christianity, it's like very much like the man is the leader of the home and the woman, her job is to like keep him happy and fulfilled and give him babies. Here's the thing, Emily. I can't live that life. <laughs> I know. I know you. I can't. I won't. Right? I mean, like, look, I- I, I would be happy to be married to you. Like I could live with like you're like you're an awesome person. Like you're gonna keep somebody happy because of the person you are, but not because you're like following some bullshit rules set to tell a woman how she's supposed to act in the home. Yeah. I think. So you have recently kind of you're not you haven't broken away from Mormonism, but you have started to question some of this. And I mean, look, I know i I feel like you've been a very like You've been a religious Mormon the whole time. Yeah. I've known you. Yeah. But I would say you have also always been able to look at your religion with a, a healthy dose of skepticism. I appreciate that. Thanks. I think, yeah, but things have things have shifted for me recently. And I don't really know, like, 
what it means for me or where it's going to end up. Um, but I am sort of looking at things and just examining what they are, right? So, and how, how they're affecting me, how they're affecting my kids, um, things like that. Do you feel like Mormon life in Utah is a lot different than Mormon life where we grew up in Independence, Missouri? Because I feel like I spent a lot of time with your family. I actually spent a Christmas with your family in high school. My family, which my, I grew up in two different religions and my parents divorced when I was three. And um, my dad was off in um, Western Kansas with his my stepmom, who's wonderful, his third wife. And my mom doesn't celebrate Christmas because of her weird religion. You see why I have weird issues with religion, right? Like my grandfather was a minister. My dad was in theology schools on his third wife. My mom goes to this like sect of Seventh-day Adventism. I guess that's how you'd say it. So there was a Christmas where I was just in high school and like home alone. And your awesome family welcomed me into your home for Christmas. And it was so fun. But I felt it didn't feel like, like, I'm sure you guys probably went to some Christmas service at church. Whenever I was with your family, I just felt like I was hanging out with the Atagis, like I was hanging out with another family. Like it didn't feel like there was any, I mean, obviously I was a teenager and there was a lot I didn't see happening in in independence, I actually thought that everyone, I thought they were skinny and had bad teeth because they were poor. And I didn't realize that like everyone was on meth. <laughs> like I just didn't get it. I didn't, I didn't know. Like I did, I didn't know. As you were saying that, I was like, we had fluoridated water. Why would we have bad teeth? <laughs> it, meth. Did you know I get in it high now. school? <laughs> did you know in high school that like half the people in independence were on meth? Wait, yes. Cause I would often say, I'm sure you knew this, but I would often say like, Independence is the meth capital of the world. It was yeah. the meth capital of the world when we were in high school. Yeah, it was. I still didn't make the connection <laughs> that those skinny people with bad teeth were on meth. Like, I just didn't. Like, I remember leaving, like, driving out of, like, onto the 24 highway and, like, seeing a house that was, like, um, had spray painted, like, meth house on the uh, police tape around it. I, I just, I didn't make the connection. We were just so used to it. We were just so used totally. To it. And maybe I was just like so used to like living in a place with a bunch of Mormons that, but I, you know, I spent that Christmas with your family and it was so wonderful. I love your whole family, like your siblings, your parents. I like, I love your family, but it didn't feel like I was at the home of a religious family. I think my family, we just, we just love each other. Right. And I know my mom worked really hard to create that environment. Uh, and she's super accepting and super loving. Uh, whether I think we have about three, three, I, there are six, six kids in my family, big, big Mormon family, right? So with a, one bathroom, right? You guys had one bathroom in your house? We did grow up with oh one God. bathroom. Yes. <laughs> We're poor Mormons. Yes. Oh my God. <laughs> and, and sort of, I think what you're trying, what you're, you were trying, you were sort of in this direction, but yes, I do think that growing up in the Midwest with like the chill Midwest attitude. It was such a good place uh, to be a Mormon. I think about moving moving back there sometimes just because I do, I think it would be easier to be actively LDS in a place where everyone wasn't LDS, right? Like I sort of yeah. thrived in that environment. I don't feel like I was proselytizing to friends all the time. I was just like friendly and not in your face about it all the time. But sometimes here with it in my face all the time, I get crazy about it. Like I get tired of it. So my point is 
my family, like for Christmas, Mormons don't, there's not a special service on Christmas or Christmas Eve. It's just, a, um, we celebrate the birth of Christ in our homes. Sort of one of the tenets of uh, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints is like the church is there to support home-based religion. So like principles and values should be taught at home and the church is supposed to support that. That's not how it happens all the time, but like that's sort of the ideal. Because when you're a Mormon, you don't just go to church. You live the church. Yeah. You're supposed to live, live it. Yeah. Ideally living You want some more than that in your life right now. Like you, is that part of, like, that's part of why you think you're starting to question everything you've been. So some of the things that are bothering me right now are sort of the superlative attitude about it, like the uh, superior ideas that sometimes come. Uh, we believe the church uh, suggests that it's the only true church on the face of the earth. That's a huge claim to make. And making a claim like that is one thing. It Also, like if you think back to Adam Sandler's Billy Madison, that fan, that O'Doyle rule, rules family, it sort of breeds that mentality of like Mormons rule, right? Like a lot of times people get real amped up that they're and this pride about being the truth and about having the truth and it sort of grates on me like if you have something that's so wonderful i think people should be really humble about it and not like waving it in front of other people like we have this you don't have it and and it it kind of makes me crazy and with that like all of the extra things like so if you have such a great thing and you have extras like share right so it doesn't match up with me to me that i live in a state that's majority mormon and majority not wanting to pay taxes Mm -hmm. like that doesn't match to me if you have enough for yourself then you should start sharing your extras you should take what you need and then share the rest I mean, isn't that what a tithe is? Uh, yeah. I mean, tithe is just church tax. You're paying your your church ward school district, right? Like, yeah, ten percent. It's picking, playing favorites. Like, it's saying like, I'll give it to the I'll give it to the church, but I won't give it to people who need it out in the world or to the streets or to like um, people who actually need to eat dinner today. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's like going against Christian values to not. It feels like it to me. I feel like I say this, and I know it pisses Christians off, certain Christians. Like, I feel like a lot of days I'm a better Christian than a lot of Christians I know. Yes. And I think that that's an important thing to recognize, right? Like, there are really good people in and out of every religion. And there are some real jack wagons in every religion, right? And I think that's part of my problem with religion is there, when you become fanatical about your religion, you believe that. Only people who are with who are in that religion can be good, and that's a real danger zone. Be- and yes. that, my friend, is how MLMs get their power. And it's how we got Trump. Did you watch the Lularoe? Oh, I did. I did. I'm actually going to do an episode about mompreneurs. You know they're Mormons. I know they are. What the heck? So is the the Young Living the the oils. Doterra. I think the DoTerra ones. Yeah, there's a lot. Um, believe me, I have a. I have a whole. I've done an. I did a uh, two part series on momfluencers, um, and we obviously covered Mormon 
momfluencers. Um, and there is an episode um, in the works about mompreneurs and MLMs because it is predatory and horrible. Yeah, it's horrible. Yeah. So here's an interesting thing about influencers. Here, a couple years ago, it became really popular to throw a dance party, a mom dance party, which is fine. Sell tickets and go dance. She's someone I followed on Instagram and I didn't know she was Mormon. I wasn't going to say her name, so maybe don't. But yes, okay. that's exactly where I was going with it because okay. here's what I don't like about it. It's a sign of the repression that women feel that they can't just go to a dance club. There are dances happening constantly at dance clubs. Did you <laughs> just go there? Do those exist in, in Utah? Are there like dance clubs in Utah? Yeah, there are dance clubs here, right? Are they like, like dry dance clubs? I don't know if I could go to a dance club without a drink. You know, I just don't drink, so I don't know. Like, yeah. I just do everything I do sober. <laughs> yeah, nothing wrong with that. I'm just curious. Like, I couldn't go to a dance club and not have a drink. That would be hard for me. I think that hits on the fact that I don't deal with the same social anxieties that other people do. True, true. So maybe my whole theory that I was just going to stay say is not a- applicable because anxiety. No, I think you, I think your theory is spot on. Like the fact that there have to be dance parties for women, for moms, because you like it, it's not acceptable to go and and be that person. Release. You can't just go and dance and have fun and shake your ass and grind a little and you can't do that. It's not okay. But that's that's cultural to hear, right? Aunt Emily, you knew me. You've known me for years. Yeah. I did all of that stuff when I was younger. I would do it right now. You're an anomaly, I feel like. I mean, obviously you're not the only cool Mormon in the world. But you are Take it back. An anomaly. Take it back. I'm the <laughs> okay. only one. You are the coolest Mormon. You and you and design mom. How does this how does being a Mormon, being a Mormon mother, being a Mormon wife, like how are you reconciling that with raising daughters? That is sort of the question right now, honestly. I don't know how I'm reconciling it. I had a lot of talks with my husband about this. Um my daughter recently asked me if the church was sexist. And in my experience, the church is sexist. Um, I've had some really weird interactions with people um, over the many years I've been here. And uh, I can't. I would say that I believe that God, like our Heavenly Parents, Heavenly Mother, Heavenly Father, are not sexist. I would say that, like, Jesus and would not want us to be sexist. But somehow that's the culture. Does that make sense? Yeah, I think that's happened in most of Christianity, if not all religion, right? Like the tenets of the religion are supposedly good, but then A, they get taken over by men who ruin everything. But they, they do like it like at some point, I think every religion, and this is not me just calling out Mormonism, like, I feel like at every point or at some point, every religion becomes about control in some way. Because if you can control your people and control the message and control their lifestyle, then you have more power. And isn't that what people want is power? Unfortunately, yeah. It doesn't mean that every religion is all bad or that. Yeah. And I think it that probably does, I mean, make a really important segue. The church has had a lot of positive influences for me, right? Like I have met people, interacted with like mentors, 
and met really great people to help me sort of along my journey, gained a ton of skills through my interaction with the church. Like one of the great things about it is that like you start giving talks when you're a kid, right? That's like public speaking and skills that really have benefited my life, like studying. There's a lot of good things. And I think that that it's really important to recognize those good things as as well as like the kind of weird, <laughs> the weird stuff too. So you have daughters. I have two daughters. Two daughters. And you are kind of figuring these things out with your husband. Is he, I'm, I haven't interacted with your husband in a long time, but he's like very cool, obviously. Like you wouldn't marry someone who isn't cool. Is he kind of on the same page with you about all of this right now? Um, he's had very different interactions in the church with, than me. He is a white man. And uh, so I don't have to convince him because he believes me, but also because he hasn't experienced these things. Anytime you're talking to a man about your experience as a woman, I feel like you there's like some pulling, right? Like that you have to do to get them to like see it from your perspective. Yeah. So we're not exactly on the same page, but he, but he believes me. Does that make sense? It does. And you just brought up an interesting point that I can't believe I didn't even like think I was going to talk about is like race and the Mormon church. I mean, obviously the church has a history of being racist. Like I think we can all say that. Yeah. But like you are not a white woman. I am not a white woman. Your dad is Samoan. Yeah. Have you experienced racism in the church? I honestly don't know. Not blatantly. Okay. Right? But I can't I can't discern when when things go badly or weird in different situations, I'm like, is it because I'm a woman? Is it because I'm brown? Honestly, if I were a white blonde woman, would this have gone differently? I can't I can't split those hairs. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, because things probably aren't going incredibly well for the blonde Mormon moms either, because there is this aspect of control and perfectionism. But like how much is like how much worse is it for you and you it's hard to say. It's hard to say. I think that's another difference between like Missouri Mormon, especially independence, and Utah, because right? Missouri has a huge Samoan Mormon population. Yes. S- tons. There's like so many. So my congregation as a kid, it was like at least half. Like you weren't a minority in the church. No. Mm-mm. But in Utah, you are. Right. And your daughters are. And my daughters are. Yeah. Yeah. So I think my husband takes my word for things, but he's not in the same situation as me, right? So yeah. when we talk about it, he's, he will support me no matter what I do. I don't know if like, if I end up leaving the church at some point, if he would also, right? And I don't know that I would expect that. We got married on the premise that we were both in this mm-hmm. for eternity. You know, I don't think we would get like divorced, like it would break up our whole marriage or anything. But I'm just saying like. Though I have to imagine it would be tricky when it, when like church is so much a part of your life. Right. And we have a ton of friends like there's in every religion, right? Like people our age are leaving religions left and right. Yeah. Um. So I have a ton of friends. We have so many friends who are leaving the church and. um Different people are doing different things with it as far as couples go. Uh, I'm not at that point, so I don't really know. And as far as conversations that Jed and I have had, it's been, today you should do what you need to do, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like the supportive man that I married would say. (laughs) So, What keeps you in the church? um, I think the idea of 
second chances and the idea that the atoning for sins is really beautiful. Um, I think 39 years of um, being here is part of it. I think um, it's, it is, it is my whole culture. Like you said, I've been a member this whole time. Yeah. Like it's not, it's not an easy shift. Nothing would be easy about shifting. Not to say that I shouldn't. Especially in Utah. Gosh, your listeners could really tear me up. No, I have. And just criticize the heck out of me. I this. have, no, I have amazing listeners. I, I promise you. Like I, I have, no, you're not going to get torn up here. I, I, I feel like, no. I so appreciate your, your honesty and you opening up and it's probably good. This is still a new podcast so that nobody at your church hears it and then you don't get in trouble. <laughs> Yeah. Can you be like excommunicated from the Mormon Church? You can, right? You can be excommunicated from the Mormon Church. Would yeah. you be excommunicated for doing this podcast if someone found out? Truthfully, I don't know. Um, lately, there have been some therapists who like have been excommunicated based on some things they've gone public with. I I don't I haven't followed them super closely, but I have a friend who's a psychologist, and he's following it super closely because it's his line of work. Should I not tag you on Facebook when I post this episode? <laughs> no, I don't know. It's up to you. I don't know if I'll publicize it. How about no, that? It's fine. I have to listen to it first. You don't. Have to. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, no, that's fine. I get like I get it. I I would be. I don't want you to get in trouble. I am so grateful for you coming and and talking to this. Be and you again. I know I've said this, but like I am a critic of religion, and it's not just Mormonism. Like I am a critic of religion in general. I'm a critic of any religion that like also really tries to tell people how to live their lives. So I hope you don't feel like I'm singling out your religion. I just I'm just fascinated by it. So from your perspective, I don't know, you've sort of mentioned like control and allowances, right? Like would you be allowed to do this thing or Yeah. So it seems like maybe that's how you sort of view religion is like mandating and uh harsh expectations. I think religion, a lot of religion is about power. Uh-huh. I think it's about power. And I think I think it's even more so about power. I believe that now after talking to you for this hour, because you told me things that I didn't even know about, like the wards and the app and just things that I didn't even know were happening. Like, I don't want to use the word brainwashing, even though I think all religions in some way kind of brainwash people. I mean, that's what religion kind of is, right? It's like telling someone something religiously until they believe it. Like, how is that different from brainwashing? Sure. It's right. But we can all say we're brainwashed about certain things. And you, you happen to be a person who has always been able to look at it with a little skepticism, as I've said, and I think that's good. But I'm not here to like criticize your religion. You know how I feel about religion and Mormonism. And oh, no, I didn't. That's not what I was saying. No, no. I, I yeah, I just, um, it does. Yeah, I think I personally believe that there is um, a power and control component to all religions. And I think there's more than I even knew now after talking to you. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we we're talking about the MLMs and LuLaRoe, like it makes sense to me, like the the way that MLMs operate, like, a I mean, religions, like cults are religious cults, right? And religion doesn't even have to be about God, right? It's about doing something religiously. Mm. I don't know. I'm just like talking. I feel like I'm talking in circles here. It's late. It's it's 12. It's midnight 30 here. Oh, um, sorry. Yeah. No, it's fine. I, I have I, another question I, for you. Yeah. 
And this is a mom podcast, so I feel like this is appropriate. Everything's appropriate here. Nothing is inappropriate. Okay, I love it. Okay, so as a mom, we are raising children. And would you agree or would you say that um, parenting requires a little brainwashing? Because we do, like everyone sort of says things religiously to their kids, whether it's about God or not. But like I, a lot of people who have left the church are like, well, my parents brainwashed me. Or, and I think this happens in every religion, right? But I've had a friend who said like, well, my mom brainwashed me. So of course I thought blah, 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 whatever. So like <laughs> my sisters and I were talking about it and we were like, I mean, and it wasn't even me. It was my sister who was least involved with the church. And when I say least, I mean zero involved with the church. I know what sister you're talking about. Yeah. And she said, well, isn't, I mean, I feel like I'm brainwashing my kids, just parenting. Like, I think it's a fuzzy area. It's a gray area and a fuzzy line for sure. Like education, brainwashing, raising someone, like teaching someone how to exist in the world because you are teaching people how to exist in the world in the way that you know how to exist in the world. Yeah. And in order to do that, you have to like, Tell them things that you believe. Over and over and over. And in my house, that just happens to not be religious. We're big fans of the line, some people believe. My son will ask me, I'm like, well, some people believe that. He he said something about heaven yesterday. I was like, yeah, some people believe you go to heaven. He said, do you? I said, no. And that was it for for now. That was it, you know. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I think, yeah, if you want to get down to like the semantics of it, it is, um, yeah, we're all brainwashed and brainwashing in some regard the plight of parenthood i think my biggest thing that i've come to recognize with my questioning about religion right now is that i will support my kids whatever they decide to do does that make sense yeah i will not be the type of person and i feel like my mom is this way too she has not uh stopped talking to any of us based on our religious beliefs, or cut us off. And I think that's what makes me the most nervous when I see families who are staunchly religious. So when your kid comes out as gay, when your kid decides to leave a religion, when your kid just is different from the mold that you thought they were going to fit, I just don't want to be the... I won't be the mom who, like, bails on her freaking kid i know you won't be i know you of course you won't but it happens right like that's why suicide rates are so crazy among like lds gay like non-cisgender kids is because they're they don't feel supported and they don't feel loved because their parents love god and their religion more than they love them i know and that's where i think it gets lost like at some point we have to prioritize people at some point, we had to prioritize people above our fourth house, above our, sorry. No, don't apologize. I think that's where, like, I'm really getting lost in all this. If we're Christians, if we claim to be like Jesus Christ, then we, I think we should be giving up more of our comforts for, like, the well-being of other humans, right? And I feel like that is what Christianity is supposed to be. Yeah. Whatever religion you happen to be. And I, yeah, I mean, I agree. I, the the suicide rates and the, like that is happening in lots of religions and it's, it's really bad. Yeah. It's heartbreaking and it doesn't, I just feel like it doesn't have to be that way. It doesn't. Do you feel like you have any chance of changing things from the inside? 
or as a woman, a brown woman, like, is that just not ever going to be a possibility? <laughs> I don't think I have any power here. I think I, the, the only chance I have at influencing is within the walls of my home. And at the Provo Girl Summit. Yes. Where you're doing amazing things. So, but like the whole reason I started that was because I wanted my own daughters to see it. Right. Yeah. Because that was like, oh, I can organize an event. <laughs> like I can bring people together. That's within my skill set. So let's try it. What do you think is the biggest misconception people have about you when they hear or realize or learn that you're a Mormon mom? Not that like many people are learning because you live in a Mormon community. So it's like not a surprise to most people. But um, what do you think is a, is a misconception that people have about you or Mormon moms in general? If you can even generalize Mormon moms, maybe you can't. You know, I just know so many Mormon moms that I don't think I can put us all in one. Like, I don't, it's so tricky for me to put us all in one, like, space. So what is a misconception that people have about you? <laughs> um, I think people, at, I come off as abrupt often. And I, I can be abrupt, but I'm also very loving, <laughs> very nice, right? Yeah. But I do, I don't always read that way. You're high energy. You get shit done. <laughs> you're like me. You get shit done. You're high energy. You want something. You make it happen. That's why we get along yeah. so well. Yeah. And I don't know. My husband has been told that people don't say this to me necessarily, but they say it to my husband that I'm that I'm intimidating and it just makes me laugh. Um, I mean, I get that. I've I've heard that as well. Mine might be like, I think yours is that you're so confident and mine is probably that I just have social anxiety and I have a resting bitch face. Um, <laughs> but I don't know. Maybe it's just the smart women are intimidating. Yeah. I don't know. I feel like it's not my problem, but it's not. But I think that it's a common misconception. What do you want people to know about Mormonism or the Mormon religion or being a Mormon mom or a Mormon family? Sort of like, hopefully, like you experienced with our, our family at Christmas, a Mormon family. I, I would hope that if you ever interact with them, um, would be very welcoming and open open up their their homes and hearts to you. Um, we we don't necessarily drink, but it should be a good time. <laughs> even I, even I can admit it is possible to have fun without drinking. Today, I really, really, really appreciate you coming on Mother Mother and being so open and vulnerable and um, sharing and giving us a glimpse into your life, which I know isn't necessarily typical of like all. Mormon moms, or even all Mormon moms in Utah, but um, there, you know, like I said, I've known you for thirty years, and there are things that I learned in our conversation. So I really, <laughs> really appreciate you just being so open. And I hope that I don't get you excommunicated from the church <laughs> by <laughs> publishing this podcast. I think I do need you to sign my guest release before <laughs> this goes live. <laughs> <laughs> I signed it already. I did it all. Okay, good. I did all the things, oh, and if I get excommunicated, we'll just work it out. We can. Um, we'll start our own religion, just about like being good to people and uh, spreading the wealth. We're like women are in charge. Hey, Emily, I'm too tired for that. You know what? Oh my god, I am so tired. I, I, we're not. Gonna I've got too that. much going on. Okay, we won't do that. But you know, it's nice to dream. Um, tonight, thank you so, so, so much. So, if people want to follow Provo Girls Summit, what's the best place to do that? Yeah. We're on Instagram at Provo Girl Summit. 
we are our website is actually our the nonprofit name which is introducingtomorrow.com and if people wanted to support the Provo Girls Summit like make a donation what's the best way to do that you can do that through the website thank you so much Janae hopefully we will talk soon I miss our long talks I know we've had some good ones I know okay we'll talk soon mother mother are you listening just a phone call to ease your mind okay you can see why I love Tanae so much right if you want to continue this conversation, come on over to the Mother Mother Podcast Facebook group where the password is tired. And you can always find more information about the show and my guests at mothermotherpodcast.com, where, yes, you can also leave me a voicemail. Anyway, thank you so much for listening to Mother Mother. If you're loving the show, please, please, please tell your mom friends, either on social media or in real life. And please also rate and review Mother Mother on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening. I think Spotify just added a review feature or a rating feature or something. Some feature. Anyway, the more people listen, the more time I can spend creating great episodes like this for you. Now remember, I'll be back in two weeks, which is next year already, with another episode of Mother Mother. So go ahead and hit that subscribe button if you haven't already. Our theme song, Mother Mother by Tracy Bonham, is performed by the amazing Jocelyn McKenzie with Harry Bowles. Bye. Mother, mother, can you hear me? Sure, I'm so.